JC, it's not our usual intro because we got to get right down to business on the Ethos Lakers podcast. Rui Hachimura, baby. Rui Hachimura. Rui Hachimura. Everybody is going to know this man's name before the first round is over. JC, I'm on top of the Rui Hachimura fan mountain right now. Should you talk me down or are we going to keep this going? No, I I mean, I had no idea how, exci- how excited you were about him as a player. I know when he was traded, I was excited because I've liked his game from when he was in Gonzaga. And I've liked – I didn't feel like they were utilizing him to his capabilities in Washington because I always felt like he just had so much more potential to be untapped. And one of the things we'll, we'll talk about in regards to, you know, Austin Reeves as well, but like – in in the playoffs, there there are dudes who are gamers and there are guys who are not. And like, you know, guys who aren't in the playoffs now, like Damian Lillard's a gamer in the playoffs. Uh, Luca, uh, Donovan Mitchell is a gamer in the playoffs. And there were certain players on this team you didn't know if they were going to be. LeBron, obviously, AD seems to step up in the playoffs. There's question marks about players like Rui and Austin, and obviously they stepped up. And it's just one game, but I mean, if they're going to be guys who elevate themselves in the playoffs. That's only going to be that much better. JC, we're sitting here on the Ethos Lakers podcast. So excited to be back with y'all talking Lakers playoff basketball because that was far from guaranteed. Three-tenths of a percent is what the Lakers were given. Three-tenths of a percent to say after the two and ten start. If you can make the playoffs, you got this. This is your probability. Three-tenths of one percent. Good luck. Yeah. To be sitting here. <laughs> Talking Lakers playoff basketball with you, JC. Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, the guys that you have, have alluded to specifically. I really want to start with Rui, but I will tell you in terms of both Rui and, Hach- and, and Austin Reeves, I mean, Rui Hachimura is a guy that the Wizards, his own previous team, basically didn't want. And no NBA team was really clamoring over, okay? He was traded for Kendrick Nunn and really just for second-round picks and Kendrick Nunn's contract. I mean, that was, that was a giveaway by Washington. In terms, of, in terms of what the initial investment was. Rui's a, a lottery pick. And then you have Austin Reeves, the guy who every NBA team, and, and initially including the Lakers, said, you know what, we think there's somebody better than you. Chose not to draft him and was one of the best players on the court in game one of a playoff game on the road as the underdog with his team winning by double digits. Now, look, I know the final score was not really illustrative of how the game went, the game was much more back and forth. But as the Lakers prepare for game two, JC, the amount of just utter emotional swing that happened in that game, just as a spectator, let alone as a player on the court. I mean, to go from Anthony Davis saying, hey, I can't feel my arm, to John Morant basically being doubtful for game two and Anthony Davis looking like Will Chamberlain out there, seven blocks. I mean, it's, it's, it's magnificent in terms of what that game presented. But none of it is possible without Rui Hachimura, JC. I was screaming, I mean, screaming at the television going, Rui, Rui, Rui. I mean, just absolutely barking for this guy to keep doing what he was doing. The work he has put in with Phil Handy is so evident, JC. It is so exciting to see him become a player. I feel like the Lakers have been missing for a decade. Yeah, and I thought... I thought it was I, – I anticipated him having a good game from his initial – as soon as he was in the game, I even tweeted out, like, way to have an immediate impact, Ruby, because he immediately got an offensive rebound and a putback. And so that, that set the tone for him. And, yeah, 
he hasn't been the best three-point shooter, but if they're going to leave him open, he's certainly capable of it. And he's a statistically a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. He just hasn't been while he's been a Laker, but he certainly has been while he's a Wizard. So it's him shooting that way is not a complete anomaly. It's a little bit of an anomaly for him to make five. Would he make five out of six? That's uh-huh. probably not going to happen, but he could shoot threes if you're going to leave him that open. I mean, listen, Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves combining for 52 points on 27 shots, making 21 of them. They were electric from behind the three-point line. I believe they were 8 of 11 from behind the three-point line combined. I don't have the box score in front of me, but I'm just re- running back all the numbers that I kept calculating on Sunday, thinking it was just it was just a dream. It couldn't even be possible that these types of performances were being put on the floor. Even in these moments where the Lakers fell behind, JC, I mean, at, at their dire worst, the Lakers were down six points going into halftime. Andy Davis in the locker room. You thought the game and you thought the series was over. Memphis had all of the momentum, not just in the room, but really of the basketball world. And the Lakers came out and set such a very specific and strength-filled tone in the third quarter to take a, a not necessarily a commanding lead, but what felt like a very important lead and a very, not even secure lead, but it just it felt good at that point for the Lakers to respond in that fashion. And that's something the Lakers haven't necessarily done all season. And I know to compare this team to its previous iteration earlier in the campaign with Russell Westbrook and all these ill-fitting pieces around LeBron and AD is just an exercise in, in nothingness at this point because it's just not even a comparison. But the reality is, in terms of what the Lakers are now putting on the floor, JC, I just feel – I don't feel the Lakers are really out of any game, even if they get down big. Now, I got to tell you, I don't expect Reeves and Rui to combine for 50-plus points any given night. I think if the Lakers are expecting that, they're in trouble. But what I will say is I feel a lot better about the Lakers' ancillary parts being able to float nights like the one LeBron had. You look at the stat sheet and you say, ah, it doesn't really feel like LeBron had a great game. The stat sheet says, hey, he actually wasn't that bad. More or less 50% from the field, double-double, almost triple-double, right? I mean, he, it looks okay on paper. LeBron was what I would say awful for most of that game. Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves saved LeBron's ass in game one. I mean, we're talking about those guys, and we're talking about Anthony Davis coming back and being dominant after that injury scare. We're not talking anything about LeBron, and I think that's a credit to this Lakers team. But LeBron has to feel good about that as well. But again, JC, before we get into all of that, you could tell how excited we are. But I just got to say it again. Rui Hachimura has to play more. He has to have a larger role in this team. We did not see Wenyan Gabriel at all in game one. I think that's a trend that will probably continue, especially against the Grizzlies, given their own size issues with both Brandon Clark and Steven Adams out for the entire playoff run with injuries. Rui has to play 25 to 30 minutes a night. I think the Lakers are the best version of this team when it includes him on the floor being a productive player. Yeah, I've actually had the thought, and it's a little too late in the season to tinker with starting lineups, but I've I've wanted to see, especially since Jared Vanderbilt hasn't quite been as impactful as he was when he first started, and you know they made the shift to shit to put Reeves back in, into the starting lineup. I kind of would like to see Rui start and have that def- have that second unit be focused on just all the all out defense, which is where Jared Vanderbilt would fit in. But you know, I guess he could set the tone defensively as a starter. But I mean, I certainly wouldn't mind seeing Rui start over over Vando. My my only concern, and I and I and I don't disagree with a lot of what you just said. I think my only concern with Rui in the starting lineup would be his tendency 
to defer to LeBron and AD. I mean, I think you see that with a lot of players who are first stepping into their confidence or exactly not exactly sure of which way to step when they're playing with guys like that is they do a lot of watching and a lot of deferring instead of being more aggressive. And I think if we could see Rui being consistently aggressive in this role off the bench, I'd feel better about that. But I don't want Rui to lose this assertiveness and this confidence that he's playing with because it's such a key component in what he does. And like you said, he can be actually impactful at both ends of the court in terms of being a, a bigger body for the glass, too. So I, I really like what Rui brings to the table. I mean, if he can give the Lakers 15 and 8 off the bench consistently, it would be such a boost to this overall group. Yeah, that's true. And in the end, he does end up usually playing more minutes than, than Vanderbilt. So, yeah, that's I mean, true. I mean, and, and, and again, like I, there are so many iterations of this team with this roster as it's constructed now that you almost, I don't want to say you can't go wrong with, but it feels like you almost can't go wrong, especially compared to what was deemed being quote-unquote right previously when we knew all of these roster roster configurations were just an exercise in lunacy because nothing made sense with the Russell Westbrook-constructed roster, right? I mean, it just was too much overlap, not enough size, not enough wing depth. And honestly, the Lakers, what I really like more than, you know, the, the, the performances in game one, the individual performances was the sort of shared joy in everybody's performances, right? I mean, it was Dennis Schroeder, I wouldn't say had his best game last game, but D'Angelo Russell played a lot better than he did previously, and everybody was just kind of getting into it. I mean, even Lonnie Walker, who I have said on our podcast earlier in the season when he shifted from starting every night to basically DNP coach's decision, he looked like he was kind of disengaged and it's hard to blame him, right? We're all human to an, to, to an extent in terms of, hey, we want to be able to contribute if we're going to be asked to do a job and get paid for it. I mean, that's just part of the human spirit. But at the same time, now you watch his energy and yeah, he's not getting off the bench, but he's a lot more engaged. He's a lot more present. And I feel like he's just enjoying himself. And I think that's a, a one particular parallel that I see between this team and the, and the bubble championship team that I really do like, you know, and, and, and in terms of the roster components themselves, I mean, you can make an argument that every roster component is, is better than its predecessor in terms of, you know, what was going on uh, in Orlando with the bubble. So there, there's, there's really a, a, a rose, a rosy outlook on this team if you want to paint it that way. But the other side of it is look, it's, it's very much been one game. And even if Ja Morant cannot play JC because of that hand injury, and we're going to get into that, okay, especially some of his comments, if he cannot play, Memphis still has Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones, best backup point guard in, in the business. Tyus Jones should be a starting point guard. Like LeBron said, he's averaged, uh, led the league in, in assist-to-turnover ratio the last five or six years. I mean, that's just it's, – it's absurd to think about what they have – in the second unit. So just because job is probably unavailable doesn't mean this Memphis team is suddenly going to take a back seat and Jaron Jackson Jr. Ain't going anywhere either. Yeah. And yeah, Tyus Jones has had really good games against the Lakers too. And um, yeah, when it comes to the playoffs, like you, you'll hear me and a lot of other people say like, you have to pay attention to what's replicable and what's not. And so we've already talked about how Rui's probably not going to shoot five for six and he's probably not going to score 29, but if he's good for 15, that's going to be more than enough. Uh, a lot of people are talking about Austin Reeves as if they just discovered him, but I mean, for him to for him to go 23 on 13 field goals 
that's been consistent of who he's been since the All-Star break. And so that's not as much of an anomaly there. LeBron James being the fourth leading scorer, only having one one field goal attempt in the fourth quarter, that's an anomaly. And that's probably not going to happen again. And so if LeBron is going to have better games going forward, and I know you were concerned about his turnovers, and I think you were tweeting from the Ethos Lakers uh, Twitter account when you were talking about some of his turnovers. And sure was. I sure was. Yeah, and that first one to Vando, I was like, well, that one's not that big of a deal because the reason why LeBron has such a huge advantage in playoff series is because of how smart he is, and it's why he gets better as the longer a series goes on. It's why he's so good in Game 7s. That type of turnover, the next time they run that play, Vando's going to be standing in that corner. And so that type of turnover won't be happening happening again. He tends to focus more on defense and type plays safety a little bit too much, but between him and Anthony Davis, they both had 10 blocks in in one game. So I'm not as concerned about LeBron James going forward. The turnovers are kind of always an issue, but the longer a series goes on, I think that's only advantages. That's only, only serves to advantage, advantage James. I think, you know, everything is – I mean, the thing about Twitter and why typically I don't live-tweet a game is for that exact reason, right? Is because it's very like in the moment analysis. It's the same reason why I feel like I needed to space out a little bit between the game ending and us recording this podcast as well. Just yeah. to, like not just be like, yeah, everything is awesome, right? Like because you're in that energy. So I, I mean, to a certain extent, right? I don't mind LeBron trying to be a playmaker, and I do, and I, and we all know his playbook. I think well enough to know that, especially on a team like this, he's going to try to get others established before he goes out to establish himself, right? So there's going to be those opportunities where, where those things like that happen. But I think what I was more trying to sort of get across in the moment was some of the decision-making in terms of what was felt unnecessary, in terms of forcing it, especially not just against Memphis, but also previously, you know, in, in, the, in the playing game versus Minnesota, there were at least three different attempts in which LeBron just basically threw the ball away. I mean, just kind of trash the possession. And there were even a couple in the first game versus Memphis where, you know, he just threw the ball. What felt like, you know, he, he saw Memphis and instead he, he saw a Lakers jersey. It, and it's just, I don't want to say it's, it's weird, but it's something we're not accustomed to necessarily seeing from LeBron. Damn, J.C. Harrison Barnes just absolutely smashed all over the Warriors. That was a brief, <laughs> brief interruption in this Lakers podcast brought to you by Playoff Basketball. J.C., just as a whole... The playoffs have been fucking lit, have they not? I mean, even the play-in games. Yeah, the, all the, the first few games have been highly entertaining. I mean, it's 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 really like when they first introduced the play-in concept, I was like, eh, you know, like it's kind of gimmicky. I don't really know how I feel about this, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, I, mean I, I like it in the sense of I don't like one-game sample sizes in basketball, but yeah. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't like the one-game sample size really with anything, to be honest with you, because it's not really representative of the reality of the situation. Like, that's what I hated about baseball when it was, okay, let's play 162 and then play one game to determine that. And people are like, oh, that's exciting. I'm like, that would piss me off to no end if I was a player. You're going to tell me I just played for six months? just to play one game to decide that like absolutely not like you you gotta be you gotta be high to do that and i just i would not i would be so not into that so so now the play-in tournament you know i think it could be improved because i don't think the seven seed should have to play for the seven seed 
That's that's my most honest opinion. I think battling eight nine, I think that's a lot more interesting. I understand why it's structured the way that it's structured, but if I could make one tweak to it, that's what I would tweak. I would say the seven seed is the seven seed, and the eight seed is what's up for grabs. Oh yeah, for sure. So it doesn't matter because the Lakers found their way to the seventh seed anyway. But it just goes. I mean, you wonder, JC. This it's you. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you personally, or do you think that there are people, and, and this could be the same answer or different answers, that really sit here at this? Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and really bitch and moan and say, man, if only the Pacers didn't beat us at the last minute, the Mavericks last second shot, that foul against the Celtics, that the Lakers should have won the game. Like there are at least four or five games that I sit here, JC, and go, man, the Lakers really could have found themselves in a different position. Like the Lakers could have been like the Lakers could have been the four seed. I don't think they could have been good enough to be the three seed, but Lakers could have been the four seed. And then you're either playing Phoenix or the Clippers. Like, do you want that right now instead of playing Memphis? Because I think I'd rather play Memphis. Yeah, no, I like I like where, where they're at now. Uh, I think that Phoenix Clipper series is gonna it's gonna go the distance. Like, there's no way Phoenix is either gonna get swept or lose that in five or six. I mean, that that's too close a series, so that'll go six or seven. Um, yeah, Denver and, or Sacramento Golden State. That's just a fun series. So yeah, I like watching that series, and I think the winner of that team. If the Lakers can move on, it'll be a good series either way. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like where the Lakers are at. I mean, it's 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 really, again, it's hard not to feel optimistic, but you also have to acknowledge there are certain things that are worth additional examination or consideration, right? Like, the Lakers need to continue making their free throws. They have to continue making their three-pointers. They have to – I thought they played – with a grit and balls level of energy defensively in particular to start the game against Memphis. And I thought that was so important because even before the game started, I tweeted out and I said, look, if the Lakers are going to compete in this series, they're going to have to be the more physical team and not just for a quarter, not just for one game one, but for the whole series. And I think that's going to be even more important now. If Memphis is missing their best player, I think they're going to really try yuck it up and use guys like Dylan Brooks to be an agitator. And just, I'm so sick of Dylan Brooks, JC. Like, are, are you into this? Cause I'm not into this Dylan Brooks stick at all. I think it's so, so fake and such crap. The the guys who, who play like that, I've never really been a fan of. I mean, Pat Bev was here for a little while and he was, he had his moments as a Laker, but I've, I've never liked that shtick of the guys who, who do that on purpose and 
yeah, I know, I know they have their their place in the league, but I, I've just never enjoyed watching that style of of player. I mean, Dylan Brooks talks like he like he like he's like God's gift to the NBA. Like, oh wow, everybody talks about this, but y'all don't talk about that. Like, and part of me wonders because Desmond Bain's been chirping a little bit as well, more so recently than he has in the past. Part of me wonders if it's sort of a deflection method or mechanism away from you know some of the stuff that John Morant dealt with off the court th- earlier this season. And I think there's there's something to be found there, but we're not going to sit here and be armchair psychologists right now. But the re, but the reality is, you know, I it's just it gets tired really quickly, and I'm I'm I guess I'm not a fan of it either. And you know, speaking of John Morant, JC, he came in with this with this hand wrapped up, seemed to be fine for the majority of the game, although he was flexing it a little bit, but didn't really seem to impact him. Then he went high flying, and as any of us would tries to, you know, naturally just sort of goes to break his fall. His hand looks like his wrist sort of rolled under itself. I for sure thought he broke his wrist as soon as it happened. Apparently, x-rays were negative. No word on a ligament damage. But we, Woj was saying on, you know, ESPN's NBA show earlier today that it's highly unlikely that he's playing in game two. Is John Morant toast for this series? Uh, I mean... They haven't said the extent of the injury. I mean, hand injuries are weird. Like, it didn't look like Tyler Hero broke his hand because he even made a three after it happened. And all he did was kind of touch Grayson Allen's leg, and that that broke his hand. So, uh, and John Morant, I thought people were focusing on the left hand and the left wrist, but it was yeah, it was his right wrist that sort of came went under him and bent backwards with all of his weight on top of it. And so, how that didn't break, I have no idea. But yeah, and that's going to basically affect his shooting because if, if it's his wrist and it's going to affect how he can flex his wrist, that that's all shooting. I wonder if uh, how he's holding his weapon these days. Hopefully not, <laughs> hopefully not at all, but I wonder if that's impacted. I really wanted somebody to ask that question, but I knew nobody would for obvious reasons. Look, I, and this is not, you know, I'm not a, a gun humorist by any means. I've, I've made my position on, all that sort of shit, very, very clear. So if you follow me, and still follow me at this point, you know exactly how I feel about all that stuff. But I I do wonder, like, he said some things after the game, JC, that I did not really like. Like, I just felt like he was playing a little bit of victim. And a lot of this drama that he's dealt with this season has been self-invited. So why are you playing a victim? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it felt like like one thing after another, and I was yeah, like, "Yeah, that's the that's that in particular is the quote that that didn't sit well with me." Yeah, I was like, "The only thing that that wasn't your fault was this this wrist." Right, like I just nothing really else. Yeah, yeah, your your team has dealt with some injuries, but every team deals with injuries. That that doesn't make you special. It sucks that you're two big men down in the playoffs, and and you know you're going against a team that's actually healthy, but. Lakers went through massive stretches of time without LeBron and AD this season. So there's no sympathy to be found here. And I, and I think that as the Lakers now, you know, I, I wonder how the Lakers will sort of ground themselves because it wasn't that anyone had a, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay anything, but it wasn't that anyone had a truly exceptional game. I, I mean, Anthony Davis having seven blocks is exceptional. And also Reeves and Rui Hachimura, I mean, what they did was exceptional. But I don't know that anyone had like a 40-point game or something that they couldn't necessarily do again. The efficiency may be a question mark. But otherwise, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of like what you said earlier 
is doable again. So how do the Lakers ground themselves in an effort to make sure that the effort stays in not only game two, but also going forward beyond that as well? Because if the Lakers can come home, JC, with a 2-0 series lead, I mean, the series might be over. Yeah, I mean, the the important thing for them is to keep that effort up. They, they have a tendency to either kind of play down to their competition, like that last game of the regular season, uh, which the other team wasn't really playing anybody, and even the play-in game with, with no Rudy Gobert, um, they probably thought that was going to be an easier game than it was. And so if John Morant's not going to be there, they can't let themselves fall into that trap of thinking – this is going to be a sweep because that that's where they'll get themselves in trouble. Um, I think if D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell and Dennis Schroeder, as much as we've complained about them being in the lineup together, they've actually figured out how to play with each other, which I thought. Yeah. I got less of an issue with it now. I agree with that. Yeah. And like, and that's all due to D'Angelo Russell's uh, adaptability and they're kind of both of them. Like they both can either play on ball or off ball. And so they've managed to make it work. And I think if they can both be in a position where they can be in double digits and Dennis Schroeder almost was, he finished with seven. Then, yeah, I think, you know, maybe 15 for Rui still, maybe maybe not 23 for Austin, but like 15 to 18, that gives you a little bit more points for LeBron and AD. Um, Maybe AD can keep his focus on defense, though. And Trevor Lane made a good point today. He's uh, that defensive player of the year going to Jaron Jackson Jr. That should uh, provide AD with some motivation. I would hope so. And I, and I think, too, that I think seeing what the one, one, one particular thing I do want Darvin Ham to be mindful of is there, were cert- there was at least one point in game one where I felt like when Anthony Davis was out of the game, Jaron Jackson Jr. was just absolutely eating the Lakers' ass inside. I mean, there he was just there was nobody who was stopping him. So I, I'd like to see a better adjustment to that. And I'm not sure what you can do short of having Anthony Davis out there for longer, I guess. But I would just be curious about that particular thing because if Jaron Jackson Jr. is gonna I mean, look, I if Jaron Jackson Jr. is gonna hit multiple threes, like I could live with that. But what I don't want is Jaron Jackson Jr. playing to his own strengths. And that's, again, with, with the Lakers, to your point of playing up or down, I, I thought the Lakers could have done a better job. It's hard to be super critical, obviously, given the win. But I thought the Lakers could have done a better job, especially earlier in the game, of going inside and really making it a point to challenge Jaron Jackson Jr., maybe draw a foul or two early, keep him in foul trouble as well. I thought they were settling for threes a little too much. That is, that is a slight adjustment that I would like to see. Yeah, and, you know, I know Mo Bamba isn't quite as strong as Anthony Davis, but if you want to try to contain Jaron Jackson a little bit, Mo Bamba's at least a lot taller than Anthony Davis, and he can kind of be a disruptor there. And he's a big who can pick and pop, whereas Anthony Davis cannot. So Right, and, and I mean, not that I want Tristan Thompson to all of a sudden get minutes, but, like, you also have Tristan Thompson. So now you've got four guys who are centers, right? And so, and I'm including Wenyan Gabriel in this mix. So if you don't want to play him, you've got Mo Bamba, you've got Tristan Thompson. Like, if you're going to carry these guys on your roster, what's the point? If not now, when, right? And, and Tristan Thompson, not a great shooter, but he is, at least, you know, he was. I know he's been out of, out of the league for about a year, but he's a really good offensive rebounder. So he does provide something on the offensive end. I think also, you know, if Tristan Thompson had to play a minute or two, 
it would be a little different than if Tristan Thompson had to play a five or six minute stretch. I know that sounds so ridiculous because you're like, what, it's three or four minutes. But the number of possessions in terms of the difference that could be is, you know, going from like five or six possessions to, you know, talking almost 15, maybe even 20 possessions between the two teams. So it is a it is a sizable difference. Yeah, That's and there are situations where, like, if Anthony Davis has three fouls and you're 90 seconds away from the half, like, just put Tristan in. Right, right. That's what I mean, right? Like, just stick a body in there. So, you know, as the Lakers move forward, hopefully they don't find themselves in positions in which they have to do things like that. But I like that they've given themselves the roster and the opportunity to now play to, you know, their their stylistic preferences and their strengths. And the confidence the team is playing with as well is just, it, it is really enjoyable to see. I think Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt have taken a step back, but I think that Austin Reeves in particular has taken such a huge step forward. Rui Hachimura having taken a step forward as well offensively with LeBron, with AD, with with D'Angelo Russell. I would really, I would love to see a good D'Angelo Russell game. Like a just a strong, you know, come out in game two, six, eight quick points, couple of threes, really set the tone early. Like I'd love to see a strong D'Angelo Russell game because I feel like it would open up so much more for everybody else on the court. But JC, I mean, you... We are just to to think that we are watching a t- this team in the playoffs, given the how this season started. I mean, I really I know I keep saying it, but it is beyond surreal to think about the fact that we are literally watching this, because given what we watched the first few weeks, I could have never imagined that we'd be in this position. Yeah, it's it was great to see that first game. <laughs> so, I mean, as the, the, the biggest thing is, look. And and with Anthony Davis, I mean, JC, when when he when he said what we all saw, I can't feel my arm or I can't move my arm. I mean, what did you what did you think? I thought the season was over. Yeah, I immediately went to when Kevin Love separated his shoulder against Boston, um, where it was sort of the same thing. As soon as it happened, he ran to the locker room, couldn't move his arm, uh, never came back for the rest of the playoff series in, in 2015. Um, looking at the replay, I didn't, I didn't quite see, cause usually to get a separation, you need to get, have your arm pulled and his right. arm was pulled Right. So when it was explained as a nerve stinger. I'm like, okay, well that makes a lot more sense that he was able to come back. And so, but even then, I mean, a nerve stinger can, that kind of sort of derailed, um, uh, Colt McCoy for the Texas Longhorns when they could have, when they would have beat Alabama all those years ago. So, I mean, nerve stinger could still be, uh, devastating but i'm glad that it wasn't jc it's so that was the exact thing that i thought i replayed that play so many times because i was like it was just like when he sprained his ankle or and had that calf injury in midair i was like where did he get pulled yanked pushed i thought he might have get pulled on on when the ball was coming off the glass and i couldn't find it anywhere and i was just so perplexed so to hear that you know he was a stinger and he was fine i mean it's obviously such a sigh of relief. I thought it was funny, though, you know, in a, in a sad kind of way that after uh, after this all transpired and the Bucks game is 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 going on, somebody tweets. I forget who it was. Somebody in my timeline, and otherwise I give them credit. They go uh, when Giannis kept going back to the locker room trying to you know get himself right. They go, we got 80 million updates on AD in 10 seconds. We can't get one on Giannis. It was, I was just like dying because it's the truth, man. I mean, and, and, you know, Stephen A. Smith, look, I, I personally love Stephen A. Smith. I love the energy. I love everything that he's about. Um, I, I don't always agree with him, but generally find myself 
more agreeing with him than not. But for him to come out there and say, you know, basically call Anthony Davis soft, glass, this, that, this, that, the other. I didn't hear any of these guys when he was playing his way through that foot injury and ankle injury when he wasn't 100% saying Davis is toughing it out. Davis is out there. Like, that's what we want to see. I didn't, I didn't hear anybody giving him credit for anything. So if you're going to sit there and critique him, I need you to sit there and give him credit as well. It goes both ways. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, JC, what do you I need to I need to know what do you need to see in the Lakers for game two for the Lakers to win and who's going to be the player of the game? Uh, I still want to see Austin Reeves playing with that confidence and that aggressiveness because he seems to thrive on that. And so his performance being consistent will take the Lakers a long way. LeBron needs to cut down on the the turnovers, Um, maybe be a little bit more accurate from the field. A little bit more accuracy out of Dennis Schroeder, but everybody else just kind of keep doing what they're doing. Maybe a little more accuracy from Malik Beasley. Um, I think the Lakers are in a position where, I mean, again, it's tinkering with lineups, but if Malik Beasley's not hitting, I mean, Lonnie Walker's a 38% three-point shooter too. (laughs) I agree. I would not. I've been advocating for that rotational switch for a little while now, and I would not be mad at that at all. For me, for the Lakers to win, J.C., I need the Lakers to continue to be committed on the defensive end all four quarters. And I'm picking D'Angelo Russell. I need a nice, like I said, a good D'Angelo Russell game. And I'm feeling that way in game two, especially if no John Morant in the lineup for Memphis. Loving it, J.C. As we get moving forward, the Lakers control their own destiny and the playoff push. And while we're here, last thing I want to say, the Eastern Conference playoffs are boring, J.C. But give me these Western Conference games all day long. Yeah, I know Philly won today, but I mean they won it despite. I mean I've never I've never been James Harden's biggest fan, but he's disappointing in the playoffs again. Two games, I don't think he shot a single free throw in both games. Yeah, absolute trash. Hate to see it, but it's all about the Lakers, baby. And until next time, be out. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.